Hello. Um, I'm in tears because um, my heart goes out to Izzy and the family. So I don't know if we're posting that on Facebook, but I know God said make your petitions known, and I believe in prayer. So if we put on Facebook, maybe we can pass it and get more people in our community. There's a lot of prayer warriors out there. I know there's a lot here. But um, I can't imagine, as a family that has devoted their life to God and to church, that they're seeing their son go through this. So um, please pass the word and make every attempt to be here. Um, today's scripture reading is from Hosea, chapter 10, verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. This is the word of God for the people of God. We're reading our scripture this morning, and we appreciate all of you as well. As we prepare to hear God's word, we've actually heard God's word now. The words of my mouth and meditations of our heart in this place may be acceptable to God. May God bless our moment together. So let us just yield our spirits to God as we prepare for this time. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be with one another. As we come here, God, you've heard our voices lifted up, but you know our hearts. and You know the things that we're facing and the, the needs that we have, the challenges we're facing. You know the blessings for which we bring thanks today. You know everything about us, and you know what we need, God, and we believe that your word can speak to every single person here in the way that they need to be touched and spoken to. So come, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds now to receive your word, that you be lifted up, and that our lives would be shaped into the people that you created us and call us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever had anybody say to you, I'd really like to help, but my hands are tied? (laughs) Or I'd like to do more, but my hands are tied? Unfortunately, I've heard that a lot over the last several months in dealing with my son's illness. And I just want to take a moment to say how grateful Marie and I and our whole family is to all the outpouring of love and support during this difficult time as we navigate these uncharted and uncertain waters. Um... Our hearts have been truly moved by that, and it means so much to know you're not alone. I mean, it's a, the, the power of prayer is amazing, as uh, it is, you know, getting the right people in place to getting in involved that can make things happen. We appreciate that. I believe that's God's way of working as well. We have an appointment, uh, the 26th in Vanderbilt, which we hope that my they'll be able to help my son. So our, we're anxious and hopeful for that visit, and we covet your prayers through this whole process. We're just very grateful and hopeful at this point. Thank you so much for that. But when it comes to this idea of having people saying they got their hands tied, I sometimes think that there are some businesses who they don't hire real real people. They just have robots sitting at their desk, and they have this mantra that they they give to you. Every single phrase is, yep, I wish I could help you, but my hands are tied. (laughs) Wish I could do more, but my hands are tied. It it just feels like that. Sometimes when you deal with government officials or or you deal with uh, medical officials and insurance and and, uh, customer service reps whose job 
in theory, it's supposed to be helping people, uh, serving others, and yet they just seem to have this bureaucratic mantra. <clears throat> I wish I could do more, but my hands are tied. I think we've all heard that. And I apologize if I sound a little salty about that. I mean, <laughs> I don't intend to be uh, uh, from my own experience of dealing with folks, but I, I think we've all been in those places, those situations and circumstances where we'd like to do more, but we can't. Uh, we're limited by the system that we're a part of that prevents us from being able to do more, or we're limited by you know, our own efforts, our limitations. We, we want to do more. We want to help. But our hands... They really are tied. And yet, uh, you know what? I, I think that this not only applies to uh, bureaucratic systems, uh, to the places where we work, where we do business, and the way we do business. I think it applies to many other areas of our life as well. Uh, we find ourselves wanting to do more but not able to do more, not because our hands are tied by some nameless or faceless bureaucracy, our hands are tied because of our own limitations, because of our own stubbornness, because of our own weakness, because of our own apathy or laziness or because of our own sinfulness. As in, <clears throat> I'd like to have a better marriage, but my hands are tied by my inability and reluctance to show love in the way that I know it needs to be shown. Uh, I'd, I'd like to have uh, better relationships and friendships. But my hands are tied to my inability to forgive. Uh, my, I tend to hold grudges for a long time. And um, that inhibits my relationships, of course. I'd like to uh, be more successful in life. But my hands are tied to my inability to get more organized. I'd like to be more generous with my time, my resources. But my hands are tied to my own self-centered pursuits and priorities. I'd really like to make some changes in my life, but my hands are tied to my own willingness to let go of the past. And I could go on and on and on with uh, these examples, <clears throat> but again, my intention is not to be judgmental or accusatory, but just to state the cold, hard facts. We all find ourselves in situations and circumstances in which we are powerless to, to do more, uh, to help others, because our hands are tied, either by our own limitations by the limitations that have been placed upon us, by the systems we're a part of. Today, however, I want to remind you that regardless of how many times people <clears throat> have told you or used this excuse about tied hands, no matter how many times you have used that excuse to others, or even you've said it to yourself, what I want to remind you of today is we serve a God whose hands are not tied. They never have been tied and they never will be tied. Uh, not by any circumstance, not by any politicians, not by any government authorities, not by any uh, bureaucratic systems or man-made institutions. God's hands will never be tied because we serve a God whose hand is mighty. And he was able to do whatever God sets God's mind to do. Isaiah 48 reminds us where God says, My hand laid the foundations of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I summon them, they stand in attention. God's hands are never tied. God's hands are mighty. Now, we don't talk a lot about the, the hands of God. I mean, uh, last week we talked about the face of God. But um, if you really study the Bible and read all the instances where it references the hand of God or the hands of God, 
and what those what that really represents it 's intriguing and I, I find myself more compelled to want to seek the hand of God <clears throat> uh, because at a quick glance the, what the Bible actually says the hand of God represents is first of all it represents god 's power in second chronicles it says in your hand are power and might so that no one is able to withstand you in the Gospel of Matthew we read how Jesus reached out and he touched a man the scriptures say immediately he was cured of his leprosy the hand of God it represents the power of God but it also represents uh, God's protection in Isaiah we read do not fear for I am with you do not be afraid for I am your God I will strengthen you I will help you I will uphold you with my victorious right hand and then we read in Isaiah 49 God says see I have engraved you in the palm of my hand. The hand of God. It represents God's power. It represents God's protection. But it also represents God's provision for us. The providential care of God. And what Psalm 145, King David writes, You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. God's power. God's protection. God's providence. This is what the scriptures say the hands of God represent. And so let me ask you, which of these do you not need? (laughs) Do you need God's power in your life? Or are you managing pretty well on your own efforts? You don't need God. Do you need God's protection? Or can you fend for yourself against everything the world throws at you? Do you need God's provision? Or are you able to scrap by with your own efforts in life? No need for God. I don't know about you, but I need all of these. I need all three of these things. And I, I imagine most of you... Or in that same ship. Uh, we, we need God's power at work in our life. We need God's protection. We need God's providential care. And so we need the hand of God at work in our life. For this reason, we seek the hand of God. Because God's hands are the only hands that are never going to be tied. They're always open for us. And we want it to be said of us like it was said for Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was upon him or upon her. So let's take a look this morning at what it means to seek the hands of God. <clears throat> and last week we began a series where we're calling it the Seeking God. And in Seeking God, we talked about last week how we need to seek God's face, which is all about seeking God's presence in our lives on a daily basis. And I gave you five ways that you can go about actively seeking the, hand, the, the face of God and God's presence. Uh, we, this really boils down to uh, turning your eyes to Jesus. I mean, looking at him. It, 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 it comes down to uh, acknowledging God's presence in your life at all times and, and focusing on the presence of God on a daily basis. And I gave you several different ways in which you can do that. Today we're going to be talking about seeking God's hand in our life. And by the way, don't get caught up on the semantics here between God's face and God's hand. Uh, when it talks about these two things, we're really talking about the same thing of seeking God. That's really what we're focusing on is seeking God. In today's message, we're going to talk about the specific aspect of seeking God that is more than just contemplating God's presence, but rather it, it requires specific action on our part. Our scripture reading today comes from the Old Testament book of Hosea. One that I'm sure you're all very familiar with. You read it on a daily basis, right? (laughs) So let me refresh your memory about this. Uh, Hosea was a prophet, and he was married to a woman who was unfaithful to him. And after a few years of being married, she leaves Hosea and leaves her family to um, a life of promiscuous rebellion. That's the best way to say it. 
Uh, And yet throughout the entire story, Hosea still loves her. Hosea still seeks after her. He still calls her to come back home. And to the day, finally, she does come back and they are fully reconciled. And of course, Hosea's story is meant to represent the relationship between God and his people. Because historically, we as God's people have not been faithful to God. And because of our rebellion and unfaithfulness, that has broken God's heart. Just like Hosea's heart was shattered by the unfaithfulness of his wife. And yet, like Hosea, God still loves us. God still pursues us, seeks us, calls us to come back home. In Hosea 10, we have this appeal that God makes to the people. He says, sow for yourself righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. I, I believe in this single rather obscure verse that maybe you've never even heard it before. <clears throat> but I think in this, this little verse we find the necessary steps that, are, that we need to take involving seeking God's power, God's protection, and God's provision in our life, the fullness of life. If you've ever been frustrated by feeling like your hands are tied to a miserable past, a past that you wish you could put behind you if only you could, if you're living with the frustration of feeling like your hands are tied to a miserable marriage, to failing at work, some destructive behavior that's in your life, Opposition that seems to be all around you. If you're too often feeling like you're powerless, provisionless, as if you lack protection, then you want more of God in your life. You want to be set free to experience that life that God promises to give to you and offers to you. If that's the case, then you need to make it your life's aim to seek more of God. Because only by seeking God will you find your heart's true home. So today, we're going to talk about three steps that you can take to seeking the hand of God, more of God's presence in your life to experience the fullness that he offers that. And the first of these is that in this passage from Hosea, we see that seeking God is always going to involve some form of surrender. Surrender. That's a word we don't like to use. (laughs) We don't even like to hear it. I mean, that seems like un-American, right? Uh, We don't like to surrender anything or to anything. Uh, We don't even like that thought. But when it comes to seeking God in your life, there's always going to be an element of surrender involved. Hosea tells us, break up your fallow ground. Now, what is that? What what does fallow ground mean? Well, it's unplowed ground. Uh, To be more specific, the Hebrew dictionary defines it as tillable, though as of yet untilled ground. So this is, this is ground that uh, uh, has the potential of being good. It, it could be productive, but it has yet to be tilled. It has it's yet to be broken up and prepared for planting for some reason. Uh, so it has a lot of potential, but in its current state, it's filled with stumps and weeds and rocks and thorns and everything else. It's hard ground, and so it's really unusable in its current state. And I think this is an analogy for the truth that we all have areas in our life that we could be considered fallow ground unplowed ground, areas that are not fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Areas in which the ground has the potential of being used for good, yet for some reason it has yet to be tilled, yet to be prepared, broken, and made right before God. 
Because the truth is, we've refused or been reluctant to let it go. We've been reluctant to surrender it to God. We say, God, I want your blessing over my business life. But in the area of my giving, I'm not really ready to put a plow to that yet. Or God, I want you to reign over my marriage. But when it comes to my inner thoughts, I'm just not ready to have that tilled yet, God. I think within all of our lives there are those areas of fallow ground, unplowed ground. But you need to realize that you cannot experience the fullness of God. You cannot experience God's power, God's protection, and God's uh, protect, provision in your life as long as your life is filled with these unplowed, uh, unprepared, unsurrendered territories. It just doesn't happen. Seeking God means that every day you seek to surrender every area of your life, realizing that everything I have, everything I am, it all comes from God anyway. And so we seek to surrender it to him every day. Seeking God involves always an element of surrender. And when I'm talking about surrender, a big part of what I'm talking about is repentance. Repentance is recognizing that there's an area of my life that is not going the way that God would have it go. It's not being lived in the right way. And so I need to turn away from that. I need to turn toward God's will for my life. It's turning away from any sinful attitude or any sinful behavior that is separating you from God in that relationship. It's saying, God, I fully surrender this area of my life that I recognize is not right. I surrender it to you. Help me, God, to do whatever it takes to make it right, to clean it up. Seeking God means every day you seek to offer those areas of fallow ground that you encounter to God. You yield every area of your life. You surrender each day especially those areas you struggle with, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Secondly, I think when it comes to seeking God, this passage from Hosea teaches us that seeking God involves obedience. Obedience. He uses the phrase, sow for yourselves righteousness. And here he's talking about doing good deeds, doing good things with your life. And, you know, often I think we make the mistake of thinking that, being righteous is simply avoiding sin in my life. You know, if I just live every day and get, get away with as few mistakes as possible, then I'll be okay. But being righteous, sowing seeds of righteousness in our life is, is much more than that. In addition to avoiding sinful actions and attitudes and those kind of things, God expects us to do good works, to do good deeds for others. And I want to be clear here that I'm not talking about that we seek God's salvation and God's love through by doing good works. I mean, that's not what we believe. <clears throat> As we talked about last week, our priority in life is to seek a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And from being transformed within by the, God's grace at work within us, that doing good and doing good deeds naturally flows out of that remade center. Yet doing good deeds... That's an important step to seeking God in your life. This is why Jesus says that for those who feed the hungry and those who clothe the naked and those who visit the sick and the imprisoned, and as you do it to the least of these, you do it unto me. I think Jesus would say to us, if you want more of God in your life, then sow the seeds of righteousness wherever you go. And even if the person on the other end may not appreciate it, 
Hosea would say, keep doing it. Uh, keep, keep at it because you will reap the fruit of unfailing love. What does that mean? I think it means that you'll experience more of God in your life when you seek to do good to others, do good works. So every good and righteous deed that you do, do it in a way that your heart is always turned towards seeking more of God in your life. I think that's what Hosea is saying. Finally, seeking God, I think, involves persistence. We talked about this last week. It's a daily thing that we do, and uh, we can build in different ways to do this. But Hosea says we have to have persistence because for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. I I love the way that the message interprets this uh, passage. It says it is time to dig in with God until he arrives with righteousness ripe for the harvest. Until he arrives. That's the key part of this verse for me. Keep seeking the Lord. Dig in with God until he arrives. I love the story of Mel Fisher. You may have heard about him. He was, um, for all of his life, he was a uh, a diver that dived in the sea looking for lost treasures. And uh, back in the early 1960s, he began searching for this particular uh, ship. It was a Spanish ship that he had heard that had been sunk, and uh, it was called the Atocha. And every year, for 16 years, he and his team uh, scoured the ocean floor looking for this lost, sunken ship and this potential treasure. Then finally, on July 20th, 1985, after 16 years of searching, he finds it. And it ended up being worth more than he could ever even imagine. No longer was he, he was going just from hand to mouth. He is now richer than anything he could possibly have ever imagined being. It's just a good example of uh, what can happen when you seek with persistence. But I would say to you that the treasure that Mel Fisher found, it pales in comparison to the treasure that you find when you persistently seek God. When, when you, the, the treasure that you find when you seek God is, is far more than that. It is The treasure we're talking about is God's power, God's protection, God's provision in our life, the abiding presence of God with us every day. Now, I don't know about you, but I would rather Jesus than silver or gold. I mean, think about it. You can't take that stuff with you at the end of life. Now, I know it's kind of nice to have here on this earth. It makes things a little bit easier. But the truth is, it never blesses us in the way that we think it will. No, I'd rather have Jesus and all the riches in the world because there is no greater treasure than the assurance and the promises and the life that God gives us. So it's worth it. It's worth it to hang in there, to keep searching, to seek God until he arrives. Uh, The King David, he wrote, Our eyes look to the Lord, our God, until he has mercy on us. Until. Seeking God is a commitment to until, until he has mercy on us, until he is gracious to us, until he comes. And what, is, what happens for you when you persistently seek God until? Well, Hosea says that God showers his righteousness upon you in ways you could never imagine. 
That's the promise of God. And so the question for us today is, do you, do you feel like your hands are tied? That they're tied to not being able to do what you know you should do or could do or want to do in life? Your hands are just tied? But the good news is we serve a God whose hands are never tied. We serve a God who is always open for us. When you, when you seek God, uh, he has promised to open his hands to you and to shower his blessings upon you in the form of his power, his protection, his providential care. This is what God promises us. You may be feeling like you're powerless against some situation, some circumstance in your life. But we serve a God whose hand is mighty. Amen? We serve a God whose hand is mighty. When you make it your aim to seek God and to seek the hand of God and have more of God in your life, you will discover a hand that is never tied, that is never closed or curled up in a fist, you'll discover a hand that is always open. A hand that, in whose palm you can safely abide. A hand strong enough to protect you. A hand tender enough to guide you into the future. And so we commit ourselves to seeking the hand of God because we recognize also that our strength, the strength of our hand alone will never be enough not against what this world throws at us. As King David reminds us, it was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, the light of your face, for you loved them. So let's seek the hand of God, his power, his protection, his his providential care. Let's seek the face of God, his abiding presence with us always. Because that's the only way that our heart will find its true home. Let's pray together. Lord, we confess that we struggle in our daily lives. The sense of your strength, the sense of your power, your presence. And we also confess, God, that often we've looked in all the wrong places. Remind us today, God, to turn our eyes to you to seek the promises and the life that you have for us. Because that's the only way we can face the life that we live with an assurance and a peace that passes all understanding. God, I pray that for every person here, whatever they're facing in life, that they may turn their eyes toward you and that you make your mighty hand cover them, protect them, provide for them. We give you thanks for this in Jesus' name.